doesn't back down from anything as a corner, and we put a lot of pressure in our scheme and system on our corners, and he was certainly a guy that relished in those opportunities. Fires intercepted by Hargraves. My confidence is, it, it's just, I think I was born with it. I've always had it. I've always had just a natural confidence in myself and, and whatever I do. He's got a competitive edge about it. When we got him on our campus, we actually had three guys that had started the entire year all returning at corner. And he said, Coach, I just want to have the opportunity. And I said, I don't promise you anything other than an opportunity. He ended up starting day one. Picked up by the true freshman, Vernon Hargraves. He'll play off. He'll play press. He'll bail on you and then come and run and, and make a play across the field. I think that he's a terrific player. And you know what else he does? He tackles. Even when he was seven, eight, I'm like, oh my gosh, like he could actually be a star soon. With the 11th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Vernon Hargraves III. And 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> I just feel like I can do anything as good as anybody else can. All picked up. Hargraves has got it. I think the size does show up sometimes down the field. That one instant that you show any kind of weakness, someone's going to jump on it and they're going to exploit it. Because I'm mentally strong. I'm a leader. I'm good at, you know, communicating and things of that nature. Him, you, you wouldn't know if he's having the worst day of his life. You know, it's cool as a cucumber. Months leading up to the draft, the lives of players projected to go in the first round are dissected on the most public stage imaginable. They transform from people into specimens, and they learn to be skeptical with their trust as teams try to uncover every slip-up, every flaw, and every mistake made in their past. Millions of dollars are on the line. From the instant a hopeful's name lands in the first round of a mock, he loses his last sense of normalcy from December through the end of April. It takes a special kind of temperament to handle this period with grace. For Vernon Hargraves III, the cool came naturally. Long before he walked across the stage in Chicago wearing a Ralph Lauren purple label suit, the 11th overall pick looked and acted the part of a first rounder. When you start getting interviewed, not only do people say good things about you, but they also say bad things about you. And uh, you know, you find out a lot about yourself. That's kind of my personality. You know, I never take things out of proportion. I just kind of go with the flow. I'm Ben Glixman, and the final episode of Draft Season in 2016 explores the culmination of one of the most trying processes in sports. Hargraves got everything he dreamed of in Chicago, where he found out his hometown team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, were using their top selection on him. Still, for one of this year's most talented prospects, the weeks leading up to that moment were far from perfect. SI's Joan Neeson has the story. On the afternoon of April 28th, before the first round of the NFL Draft, Vernon Hargraves, his mother Jackie, and his two sisters, Karina and Chanel, are being pampered at the Balance Spa in the Palmer House Hotel in downtown Chicago. It's amazing. This is nice. It, it, it feels, I mean, it, it's always nice when somebody wants you. Feel like you're getting pampered? Yeah, a little bit, definitely. They're taking great care of me. They are participating in the Procter & Gamble VIP-style lounge, where representatives from CoverGirl and Head & Shoulders get them red carpet ready. 
Hargraves, a star cornerback, is one of 25 players who will watch the draft from the green room at the Auditorium Theater later in the evening. The invitation is an honor, but it also comes with inherent risk. Until his name is called, he is stuck in a fishbowl, with cameras tracking his every move. It's a feeling Hargraves is familiar with. As the son of a longtime college coach, he's used to the pressure and expectations that accompany high-level football. But growing up, he was anything but pigeonholed into the sport. Dad's been coaching my whole life, and uh, I've been to all practices and games, and, and seeing seeing it early uh, definitely helped me. You know, my, my father is, uh, he, you have to meet him to, to understand what he's like. He, he's not a pushy person. You know, he, he let me do what I, exactly, whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to play sports, and okay, let's go, let's go play sports. If I didn't, you know, then cool, we're not going to play sports. But uh, his biggest thing, and uh, to this day, is how I treat women and uh, my grades. Here's Vernon's mother, Jackie, who was her son's closest confidant and sounding board throughout the pre-draft process. If he ever had a question or something, of course, my husband would sit down and talk to him, but pretty much, uh, you know, they didn't work out together. They didn't sit down and watch film together. They didn't do any of that. The time that my husband was home, it was just more family time. Hargraves didn't start playing organized tackle football until he was 10 years old. And when Jackie brought him to his first practice with the Pop Warner Palmetto Bay Broncos, she worried he might have to sit out a year to develop because he was so far behind his teammates. That fear didn't last long, though. Hargraves emerged as a natural, showing flashes of the speed and versatility that have come to define his game. The Hargraves family moved around over the years, following Vernon Jr. from the assistant coaching gig he held at Miami from 1998 to 2005, to Florida International, East Carolina, and then South Florida in 2010. The elder Hargraves now coaches linebackers at Arkansas, but the family still makes its home in Tampa, where the children attended high school, and where Hargraves turned into a star. I'm here with Vernon Hargraves. Really needs no introduction. With Vernon Hargraves, Wharton High School down in Tampa, Florida. 2013 corner, known as one of the best around for sure. Vernon Hargraves, cornerback here, class of 2013, highly touted recruit across the nation. Vernon, talk about real quick offers you have right now. Um, Ohio State, Florida State, Miami, Florida, USF. As a teenager, the speedy cornerback was courted by dozens of colleges, and he enrolled in camps at the University of Florida as his name shot up the recruiting rankings. By 2013's National Signing Day, when he officially became a Gator, Hargraves was ranked as the number three player in his class by ESPN, number two by Rivals, and number seven by Scout. Will Muschamp, then Florida's head coach, recalls the early tenacity of the top prospect he landed during his tenure in Gainesville. He ended up starting day one because of his work ethic, and obviously God's blessed him with a lot of ability. But I think his strongest talent is his competitive edge and his work ethic. The guy goes out and competes at practice and enjoys practice and enjoys the competition side of it. Vernon Hargraves does it exactly right. He doesn't grab him. Though the Gators struggled at times during Hargraves' three seasons on campus, the cornerback emerged as a standout. At the end of his junior season, he was named a consensus All-American, and soon thereafter, he made it official. He would forego his final year of eligibility and enter the NFL draft, with a promise to Jackie that he'd soon finish his degree. 
Almost immediately, NFL pundits declared the 20-year-old a surefire first-round pick, putting the former top recruit in elite company. In the five drafts before this one, only 10 players who were ranked among the top 10 recruits in their high school class by ESPN were taken in the first round. The NFL draft every year, there's 32 first-round picks. And, and how many of those are bust? Probably about 50% don't pan out to what they should be. And, and the NFL has every resource available as far as player evaluation, mental evaluation, physical evaluation. I mean, has all the resources, much more than we do as colleges when we're evaluating players coming out. In short, scouting at the NFL level is an imprecise science. At the college level, it's something akin to throwing darts while blindfolded. You know, most guys who are the number one player in the country, number two player in the country, uh, coming out of high school, they, they can do whatever they want at their high school, you know, including myself. You know, I kind of had freedom to, you know, say do what I want to do on defense. You know, I didn't really have a necessarily, you know, any, any rules to me just because I was the best player. And that's just the truth. That's just the plain truth. And when you get to college, it doesn't matter. Everybody's on the same pedestal. And, uh, you know, it, the guys that can separate themselves are the guys that are consistent, consistently produce. And uh, you know that's tough for some guys. Some guys don't understand that, like, well, why does not why does coach like why does he want me? Why is he so specific? And I just came from high school and I could just do it how I want to do it. I've certainly seen players like Vernon that have been very highly rated coming out of high school and have handled the process very well. And that's where I think a lot of times because of the attention that these players are getting nowadays, it's sometimes very difficult uh, in for a young man to handle this process. And, and Vernon handled it wonderfully. Going through the recruiting process and all the, the, the camps and Under Armour All-American games and, and things of that nature, I think it definitely prepared me for, for, for the draft process. You know, a lot of interviews, a lot of, a lot of communication with people, you know, and uh, you got you to really figure out, you know, who, you know what, what you say to people and you got to watch what you say and, you know, everything that you're doing is being watched. For presumed first-rounders like Hargraves, that feeling of being watched ramps up as the Senior Bowl turns to the Combine and as Pro Day turns to team visits. The news cycle can be volatile, especially when enemies emerge. This guy was on some boards, number one player. You know, he dropped the 13, all right? The hacker who turned Laramie Tunsil's life upside down on draft night is the most notable example of someone damaging a prospect's draft stock but it's far from the only one. Anonymous pranksters can wreak havoc with little more than a tweaked Twitter handle, made to look at a glance like those of major newsbreakers like ESPN's Adam Schefter and NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. For Hargraves, a fake Schefter and fake Rappaport made for an uneasy morning just a week before the draft. Uh, I guess somebody, somebody said I failed the, the t drug test at the combine, and that absolutely killed me. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait, 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 what's going on? I know it. there's no possible way. Please tell me this isn't true. <laughs> I woke him out of a deep sleep. Uh, my husband had actually called me it, and uh, I hung up from him and I, I called Vernon right away. And, uh, you know, he was like, well, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, and I, it's weird because I'm the one that says, don't believe everything you read on social media. And yet I fell into the, that trap because it was about my son and I knew that that wouldn't be his character. You know, NBC actually wrote a good report for me to, uh, you know, kind of clear my name of all that nonsense. But you know, it hurts. And uh, that's when I kind of sat down. I was like, wow, I was like, this is getting real. Like, this is how it is. You know, I can only imagine what it's like for a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning. You know, they, those guys get their name thrown in the dirt all the time. 
Yeah, but you never let it see a phase. You know, people start people start thinking of you in a negative light when they see like rumors, whatever it is, and uh, you know, it, it's it, it's it's tough a little bit. It's tough. It, it can it can break you down. But uh, you know, if you know the truth and, and you know you know what's really the truth, then uh, you'll be fine. Watching that day's news cycle unwind, Hargrave's sister Karina was shocked at the idea that a person would create a fake Twitter account to make up news about an innocent 20-year-old. But she wasn't at all surprised how her little brother coped. You know, he handles things very gracefully. If he's stressed, you know, if he's upset, you, you won't see it. He's very calm, cool, and collected. He, he can keep himself together really well. That ability to keep it together, to roll over whatever speed bumps emerge, is perhaps the most crucial characteristic to have during the pre-draft process. Just ask Jared Goff, the quarterback who went to the Los Angeles Rams as the number one pick this year. As his stock rose over the course of the winter, Goff learned to control what he could and accept the absurdity of some moments of the process. At least for the quarterbacks that are testing us on a lot of stuff that I don't, I don't think really applies. Uh, the 40-yard dash, the shuttle. Again, I know they have to do it. I know they have to get their numbers, and that's how they evaluate. And that's all fine. I wanted to do well. Everyone wants to do well. I wanted to run fast. I wanted to have all my times low. But at the same time, you know, I knew if I didn't do something as well as I wanted to, it's not the end of the world. As the months unfold, players become friends and resources to discuss all of the things they never expected or could have possibly seen coming. I think definitely you kind of go through it with each other, and you kind of have the similar experiences and are able to talk to each other about, you know, endorsement deals or stuff that we kind of all went through and kind of had to deal with. And, um, that were, that were all stuff that was very foreign to us before we got in this situation. Just as foreign to most players is the glad handing. It's one thing when college programs try to win over recruits to land their commitment. It's another entirely when NFL franchises evaluate prospects, and the sheer number of handshakes at a team visit can be dizzying. That's true even for a player like Hargraves, who only traveled to meet four front offices and coaching staffs, the Jaguars, Ravens, Cowboys, and Buccaneers. We don't know who we're meeting. We don't know who we're talking to. You know, it's just, there's just a lot of people that you meet, and there's no way you're going to remember every single name. But uh, definitely, definitely shaking hands with people you don't know, uh, you don't know the names of and all that. But, you know, I think everybody kind of understands that. Hargraves was also able to put his visits into perspective and avoided reading too much into any team's perceived interest. Each team gets 30 players to go on a visit. So in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I'm just one of the 30. I wasn't thinking too much of it. That's just, that's kind of my personality. You know, I never take things out of proportion. I just kind of go with the flow. I was just more excited just to, to, just to go see the facilities. You know, go see the stadium, go see the coaches and all that stuff. And of course I was excited because it was the early teams, of course, but you know, I know, I know how the, the process goes. Even so, he never got his hopes up. It didn't matter that his four visits were with teams in the top 10 of the draft order. Hargraves still felt any of the 32 franchises were in play, and it drove him crazy. The most frustrating thing is not knowing where I'm going. That plain and simple. I, I bet you 99.9% .9 of the guys will tell you that. In this case, because it's something I've dreamed of for so long, and it's just like, all right, where am I going? Where am I going? Who am I playing with? But for all of the impatience and the stress, Hargraves never lost sight of the fact that the finale would justify the process. Dream. It's a dream. We all have. You know, we all have. We all have been, been waiting for this moment. And, uh, you know, I think it's surreal for all of us. 
and uh, you know, walking across the stage is, man, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. On the eve of the draft, with the event he has thought about since he was a boy looming in a matter of hours, Hargraves does his best to remain light. He mugs in a white polo bucket hat over his short, tightly braided hair, a style his mother has asked him to cut. He insists it is part of his brand. He's energetic, but he can't keep tabs on his emotions. So often do they shift. I have no idea what I feel like right now. I'm happy, I'm excited, I'm nervous. I don't know, I have no idea. Instead, he focuses on the things he can control. He has taken mental notes over years of watching players in the green room. And more than anything, he wants his face to remain calm, expressionless. What happened to Johnny Manziel two years ago is his nightmare. Not the freefall, but the faces. Hargraves doesn't want anyone to think he is worried or disappointed or upset. He respects this process and the months of scouting that go into each pick. When Jalen Ramsey goes to the Jaguars with the number five pick and is the first cornerback off the board, not a blink. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Jalen Ramsey. When Hargrave's hometown team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, trades its ninth pick to the Bears for the 11th selection, he is unfazed. With the ninth pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Leonard Floyd. Next, the Giants take Ohio State quarterback Eli Apple. The New York Giants select Eli Apple. And then Hargrave's phone rings. Vernon. Yeah. yeah. Well, you want to be a buck? All right, well, congratulations. We're about to turn your card in, all right? Here's Bucks general manager Jason Light at his press conference in Tampa on Thursday night. We were confident that he was there. We did a lot of research, and, um, you know, there is a gamble. There's always a gamble, but, you know, as a guy that I worked with, Bruce Arians always said, no risk it, no biscuit. So sometimes you got to be bold, and sometimes it works out. Vernon is a guy that we feel brings a lot of versatility to our defense. He can play outside and he can play inside. You know, great players come in a lot of different sizes and different packages. Um, we feel that his thickness and his build, he's a sturdy player. He can press, he can tackle, and he's very quick and athletic and has good ball skills and been a very productive player in Florida over the last three years. So it's been a lot of fun watching him over his career there. When Hargraves landed in Tampa around 10 a.m. last Friday, Bucks fans greeted him at the airport. No longer was he the heralded high school recruit who played 25 minutes from Tampa Bay's facility. This was a new level of hometown fame. First on Hargraves' agenda in Tampa was a nap in a hotel room the team provided. Next came media obligations and internal meetings. Soon enough, he'll be thrown back into football and tasked with bringing Tampa's defense, which finished 10th in yards per game allowed in 2015, closer to the top of the league. Nerves went away. So I guess I'm just excited. I'm happy. I mean, I haven't stopped smiling since Thursday. Hargraves is no longer a prospect, no longer a magnet on 32 general managers' whiteboards. He's a player, and now the work begins. Finally, he is settled, back where he started, back where he always wanted to be. In the back of my head, I knew I wanted to go to Tampa Bay, but I mean, I, I just didn't say it. Just, just to, just, you know, you know, just keep everything on, keep everything under wraps. I'm at home, and I, but I feel at home, if that makes sense. <laughs> 
little over a month ago, we started telling you the draft stories of seven players in the 2016 class. During the last weekend in April, those stories reached their conclusion. For those who have been following us, here's a recap of where each prospect landed. Noah Spence, the dominant defensive end who entered the draft process with red flags attached to his name, was selected in the second round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He'll join Vernon Hargraves in looking to lift the Bucks to the top of the NFC South. Yeah, I mean, when you fall, you, that doesn't have to be the end of your story if you work at it. Christian Hackenberg, the quarterback who has been in the spotlight for years, went to the New York Jets toward the end of round two. He enters the biggest media market in the country, and he'll compete for the starting job in fall camp. Just tune out the noise and just really focus in on, on getting better um, and doing what you need to do to be the most prepared you can. Javon Hargrave, the small school standout from South Carolina State, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the third round. He becomes part of a franchise known for churning out high-level defensive linemen. The Pittsburgh Steelers select Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle, South Carolina State. John Theus, one of two brothers in this year's class, went to the San Francisco 49ers as an offensive tackle in the fifth round. John Theus is a try-hard, tough player from a very good conference. His brother Nathan, a long snapper, was not selected, but he signed with the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos as a free agent. And Trayvon Boykin, the prolific college quarterback who has been projected by some as a receiver in the NFL, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Seattle Seahawks. He told us his game resembles that of Russell Wilson. Now, he'll look to learn from Wilson in the pros. This week's episode was reported by Joan Neeson. Producers for draft season are Harry Swartout and Alex Abnos. Special thanks to Ben Eagle, Eric Single, and the rest of SI's college football and NFL editing teams. Alex Abnos created our theme song for the podcast, and Erica Cotton designed our logo. Thanks to Dan Bloom, our contact and advisor at Panoply, and Jesse Kramer, who played a major part in making this series possible. Until next draft season, I'm Ben Glicksman.